Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Total Car Score podcast, bringing you the world of cars from inside the car. And now your hosts, Carl Brower, Lauren Fix, and Javier Mota. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. And now Carl, Lauren, and myself were at the same place, but at different times. So we're not making it yet. So how are you, Lauren? I'm great. I had an awesome time. At the same event, you're at the new Ford Bronco. Totally. Yeah, that's where Carl is, uh, right? Still. Yep, I'm still here. I'm a day behind, uh, I guess, you, Javier, and two days behind Lauren, but I will be driving it the rest of the uh, trip for me is tomorrow. I did the on road today, off road tomorrow. Okay, Lauren, um, do you want to give your opinions uh, so far? I mean, you already drove it both, so go ahead. We got an opportunity to drive all seven trim levels, two doors, four doors, both engine options on the street and off different levels of trails from kind of an okay off-road to pretty intense and challenging. And I have to say, I was really impressed with how well it was thought out, especially for the off-road. And it's extremely drivable. So we were on these S-curves driving around the streets like Carl was today. And I, I was really surprised. And I think it definitely outdoes the few competitors that it has because it's actually drivable well, street. you mean the few? There's only one, really. Well, you have one. I guess you could say two if you look at the Land Rover product, but that's a completely different animal. Very yeah. expensive. So, Carl, uh, you drove it on the street. You will drive it on the off-road uh, uh, tomorrow. So what did you think initially of, of that? Yeah, so I drove the Bronco from you know downtown Austin, basically, out to the resort that they were having us stay at. And... Um, yeah, Hill Country has a lot of twists and turns uh, there. You know, most people think of Texas as pretty flat, not the greatest roads, which sadly is true. But that's one of the reasons I love that central Austin area because of the Hill Country. It actually does have good roads for driving. And it's not really like the goal of this car to be an on-road sports car by any means. Um, it You just want it to be relatively confident. Even though it's an off-road oriented vehicle, you want it to be confident on road. You don't want to feel like you're compromised unless you're off-roading in it. Um, we all know where most of these vehicles be driven most of the time. So uh, with that said, I was able to drive one of the press cars out to the resort. And the truth is my first impression was that it felt a little sloppy, even by this kind of vehicle standards. It didn't seem to want to stay between the lines. And I had to work a little harder to keep it in its lane than I expected to, even given what it was. And I was like, huh, I don't know if the Wrangler is better than this. I think it might be. Well, 
I hated having that impression because I wasn't hundred percent confident. And so when we got out to the test area, I was able to get a second vehicle to take it out. And this one felt exactly what I thought it should feel like. And it, and again, it's not a Corvette or a 911, but it, it, it had plenty of confidence. It didn't feel like it was wandering. And I drove it back to back with the Wrangler when I got out there to make sure I knew what I was talking about. And sure enough, you know, it's fine degrees. It's, we're talking shades of gray here, but in these shades of gray, I think the, uh, the Bronco and Wrangler are actually very close the Bronco might have a slight advantage over the Wrangler in terms of its on-road, you know, people call it off-center or on-center steering feel when you hear all the car geeks, but it basically just means when you're trying to go straight and you're holding the wheel in a steady position, how well does the car follow that position and how much are you having to constantly correct? And you got to take into account wind or pavement irregularities and all, but if you're on a flat, straight surface without any crosswind, you should be able to hold the wheel and the vehicle should pretty much go straight without wandering, even an off-road oriented vehicle, a brand new one like these. And the Bronco does. So it's good. It's fine on-road. And of course, once we got off-road, it was really crazy impressive and uh, a lot of fun to drive. So yeah, I think I think the vehicle is going to do very well in all of the NACDOI voting this year, because I think it, it does both things it's supposed to do. It's supposed to be fine and functional and confident on road. And it's supposed to essentially be the top off-road performers right up there with defenders and wranglers. And uh, it's going to absolutely do that. I find the wrangler to be uh, just cumbersome. It's, it's such a short wheelbase. And I'm really not a fan of the Gladiator, which is kind of a direct competitor as well. But, but did you did you guys did either of you drive the Wrangler as a competitive vehicle or did you take the time? No, yeah. not immediately. No. Yeah. So you so you you should have because that was my impression. Yeah. And even though I didn't get to do it immediately, mm. it was within like you know an hour and a half, probably since I'd been driving two hours since I'd been driving the, the the Bronco earlier in the day, and then I got in the Wrangler, drove it, and I'm like, hmm, this thing, the steering weighting, the on center feel is a little bit, we're not talking night and day. We are talking subtleties because, again, all new cars are and, uh, Could good. that have to do maybe with this? these are pre-production cars, as they said? Or maybe even the one that I specifically drove, maybe a caster camber, something about the one I drove wasn't quite. Well, each trim uh, level is completely different, too. Yeah. Well, but but I was driving a Wrangler Rubicon two-door automatic big engine, and I was driving a Ford Bronco two-door automatic big engine Badlands. I was driving the Badlands. Two, okay. Yeah, I was driving the two, two the two two-door short wheelbase most off-road badass versions of the cars. They were the direct competitors from each brand. What I really like about the car is that uh, one, they kept the DNA of the original car. As you said, that we saw the old one there, a 1971 model. It looks, it looks really cool uh, how they kept all those details and how much they added to, to the, I mean, with modern technology and design, right? So I think it was a, it's a very good execution overall. The, the image of the car and the impact it's going to make in the market is going to be huge, I think. Well, yeah, yeah, those it'll, little, little, little things. It'll be the big deal car for this year. There's no denying it. Um, but, but uh, you know, now, like I said, that I've had the experience I had today, I, you know, until I've driven one and then until I talk to someone else who's driven both cars back to back, 10 minutes apart, I'm going to be, you know, not, I'm not going to have a lot of, I'm not going to put a lot of weight in someone's opinion on, oh, because everyone's going to be screaming about the wrong, it's the coolest thing ever. And I'm going to say, <laughs> okay, have you stopped and driven it against its direct competitor within minutes of each other to just see, and again, most people this, say no. Yeah. And most people are going to say no. And, uh, and again, I, I drove it, I also did the, the, minimum you know the the 
the uh, displayed off-road things, where which was just very short. We're going to do the real crazy. Oh yeah, I did that too. But you know, you know, the thing where it locks one of the wheels to shorten the turning. Oh radius. yeah, the steering, uh, the steering, tur- the, yeah, the turning the... assist or whatever it's called, and then. Right. Uh, and then the crawling. You can, disconnect, you can also disconnect the sway bar right, too. Disconnect. I did all that today. I know you guys did it, obviously, but we can mm-hmm. finish the whole thing. Those are all incredibly impressive uh, technology. So I do not deny that it's got, A, that it looks great, that they've held true to the design, and that they've thought of really smart things, whether it's the removable doors that can be stored within the vehicle or the very quick to remove. I just got back from having them show me the removable tops and how quick those are, the technology mm-hmm. to get you over uh, uh crazy off-road obstacles with disconnecting, you know, and it, and like the Jeep can't disconnect while there's pressure on it. You know, like you have to disconnect the sway bar in the Wrangler yeah. before you start going off-road. If you're in the middle of off-roading mm-hmm. and it, the way it's set up and the guy like showed me, he's like, he put his fingers together. He's like, no, once there's pressure, it's bound up. So you can't make it unbind and disconnect the sway bar if you're in the middle of a crawl over a rock, but you can in the new Wranglers or in yeah. the new Bronco. Yeah. So everybody keeps making the same mistake. Yeah. In the gym. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's got a great impressive technology. I have no doubt I'm going to be even more impressed when we do more extreme off-roading tomorrow. I'm just saying again to me, because I don't, because I know I'm not going to live, you know, in Moab and my commute's not going to be on dirt roads. So all of these yeah. kind of vehicles, I have to think first and foremost, you've got, you know, how do they drive on road? But- and if I'm not happy how they drive on road, I really don't care how great they are off road. And that's like the, that's why right. I love the uh, the Land Cruiser. I think the Land, but, or sorry, uh, not the Land Cruiser, the Land Rover, the new Land Rover mm-hmm. Defender. I love because if you never it's very take, expensive, yeah, yeah exactly. but if you never so, take it off road, you'll still love driving it because of how great it drives on road. So, but don't you think that this car, the Bronco, it's got it's an impact car, as you mentioned. And according to Ford, 125,000 people are so impressed without driving. Right. <laughs> that they already order it. So. Sight unseen. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if either of you got the email I got from uh, from uh, Jeep in the last, like, 48 hours, I think, and all. But it was, like, their teaser yeah. stuff for the Chicago They have Auto a big show. announcement. Yeah. yeah. And, they, and they won't say there's nothing in the email that has any description of anything. There's just some kind of crazy aggressive off-roading shots of a uh, Wrangler with all the doors and everything off and stuff. And I remember looking at it and I'm like thinking, hey, Bronco Envy much? You know, it's like they are so clearly like, yeah. Trying, trying to like say, "Hey guys, we're still cool too. We're still cool. Yeah. Look at look over yeah. here. Wait, us. wait, wait! Don't yeah. forget us." So right. the war is on, which is cool for the consumers uh, at the end, right? <laughs> they get options yeah, now. Because Jeep ran alone; they didn't have any competitors at all. Right. And now they now they do. Right. And, and this is good, which means I expect something from General Motors. It's probably coming soon. Yeah, you'd think. Okay, great, uh, great segment. I think with all the, our opinions on the new Bronco. And uh, when we come back, we're gonna have two interviews. Very interesting. Uh, let's go for a break and we'll be back. Back at the podcast, talking all about Bronco, and we have uh, one very interesting uh, interview. I think for this segment, we're gonna talk to Mark Groover, who is uh, one of the marketing people at Ford, and one particular story of his that you will you will hear about. Like, he got to do Ford. His first day at work was the last day of the production of the old Bronco, of the fifth generation. He didn't kill it, but he was there that day. Well, Mark, uh, thank you for having us here in first place. <laughs> we're getting out of the pandemic, and we're finally getting to travel and being to beautiful places like this one. Tell us where we are. 
We are at the Bronco Off-Rodeo here in Austin, Texas. It's our first of four Bronco Off-Rodeos across the country, and it's included with the purchase of your new uh, Bronco two or four-door. You can come here and learn all about Bronco and off-roading. It's amazing, and you go and go to the website and see pictures and videos, and this is really, really like a theme park. <laughs> it is a theme park, right? Right, yeah, <laughs> we call it a outdoor adventure playground, and it's kind of almost like a Bronco Mecca, right? Exactly. It's everything Bronco. So there are so many stories about the Bronco, obviously a legendary name, a legendary vehicle. We have an old one there, 1971, I believe that mm -hmm. one is. Mm -hmm. So that's first generation. Uh, this is the sixth generation of the two-door, the first ever four-door, and the first for the sport. Right. But uh, there are so many, many things that we can talk about but your story is very interesting tell us about it well thank you it's uh i'm actually a fourth generation at ford and my first day at ford was june 12th of 1996 and it just coincidentally that was the day that the the last bronco rolled down the uh, assembly line the fifth generation you didn't have anything to do with it <laughs> <laughs> no but uh i didn't have anything to do with killing the bronco but pretty much uh since i started there's there's been a group of employees uh kind of working to bring bronco back because everybody really loved the bronco and we would work on you know nights and over lunch hours and we even called ourselves the bronco underground and because uh, we weren't really supposed to be working on it but we just oh really that was like almost like a secret program right right so we were just working on it on the side and looking for ways to bring it back and then about five years ago in my prior role um i had the opportunity to present the strategy and the proposal to bring Bronco back to Ford senior leadership. And uh, now in my current role, I get to kind of see it through to the uh, to launch. So it's been quite a journey. And uh, I guess some people are asking, what took you so long, right? With 25 years. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I was, uh, by looking at the cars, the old one and the new ones, and like experience it and see what it can do, what it can do and all that, how you, you build it, basically, every little detail, I mean, like, and that the, the difference is always in that detail in everything in life, right? Mm -hmm. I think it was kind of an advantage for you guys to be out completely of the market because obviously Jeep and everybody's very honest about it because it's the truth. Jeep owned the market for those 25 right. years, maybe right. even more. Right. But you had the chance to start from zero, a, a clean piece of paper and put everything that you wanted and everything that te new technology allows you. Because now, for example, I, I, I can assume like if, if uh, Jeep wants to add those little hooks on the top of the hook, right. just that little detail, <laughs> it will take a big enterprise to like change a lot of things in the car. But you get to do everything new, everything from scratch. So that's an advantage, I think. I agree. I think that's a, a great observation, right? We uh, were able to kind of come at it fresh, basically, right? Uh, and we had five prior generations, and we were able to see kind of what elements to kind of carry forward. But to your point, uh, the competitor, frankly, hasn't uh, innovated as much. And I think some of it is just because probably some of their enthusiasts, every time they try to change, they, they don't like yeah. it. But here we are able to kind of bring in more of a modern SUV with a lot of innovation and uh, the customer reaction has been fantastic. I mean, we could talk for a week, for a week about the car, but we don't have enough time. But uh, let's let's go about some of the of the key factors in this. Obviously, the as we mentioned, the sport, the two door and the four door. So mm -hmm. it's like a new brand, a new family. Mm -hmm. 
very the the the, the modu modularity concept of it is really amazing. And we're looking at one back there, a yellow one that has been stripped almost to the bones. Right, right. right. And they're like almost hundreds of pieces that people can take very easily. So tell 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 us about that concept because that's very interesting. In particular, like taking the doors and leaving the mirrors. <laughs> right, right. So you know, we did a lot of a lot of research with the customers and trying to understand. Uh, again, everybody wants to make it their own. Uh, we would almost call the the vehicle snowflakes because everyone was different, and uh, you know, the customers all want to be able to personalize and they wanted it more modular. They would say it's almost like adult uh, Legos, and uh, so we tried to make the vehicle basically as modular as possible so it's everything from the fender flares to the actual fenders front and rear you can take off uh obviously the doors and the top and uh, you know the bumpers and the grab handles just you you name it it's modular and it's very easy to customize and we just tried to make the whole experience whether it be the open air where you're taking your doors yeah. and your top off to make that easier and on a four door not only can you easily take off the doors but you can even store them in back uh, on the vehicle and actually I was just I just saw the demonstration to take them off and it's really easy it's like a simple tool that you right. have at home and then the other very innovative thing that you guys added is those bags that are right. marked so you know which one goes with which and once you slide it on the door to take it off that helps you to take it off so it's a functional tool. right yeah we got the bags actually the tools are right in the, your glove yeah. box and uh and if you forget uh, how to do it or it's your first time you can even watch a video right on your big center screen right oh, here that's another thing, there's yeah. a digital owner's guide so you can watch it there but it's super easy uh to take uh on and off very quick and uh just a lot of great engineering on that kind of again observing the customer and trying to figure out how to make it easier yeah Let's talk a little bit about the, the driving capabilities of this. We have uh, driven it a little bit on the demonstrations there with all these buttons that are on top of the center console. Mm -hmm. So and very easy also, like very simple to use. Talk about a little about that. Sure. Um, so we've got, uh, you know, a lot of great functionality and we really wanted to make it easy for not only the novice, but also for the more experienced off-roader. And so there's a couple different ways you can, you know, kind of activate some of this new technology. One is we've got these goat modes. Um, and basically just with the flip of the dial, you can switch it into rock mode or sand mode. And the vehicle will know kind of all the different settings and what to do. Or you can basically do it yourself. And we've got what we call these hero switches up on the top of the dash. And not only are they right there, like your front and rear lockers or your stay bar disconnect, but the part I like about it is these are silicone coated. Yeah. So when you got the top uh, open and maybe there's an unexpected rain shower, you don't have to worry about, you know, any problems will, with them short now. Survive the elements. <laughs> right, exactly. So the steering wheel and these switches here are silicone coated. Uh, so just a lot of innovation and thought that's gone into it. So you mentioned GOAT uh, before that explanation. Mm -hmm. GOAT stands for two things. Most people in sports <laughs> right. call it greatest of all time. That's right. But GOAT in this case means that because this is the greatest of all times in the Bronco history, right? But also stands for? Goes over any terrain. Yeah, and, and that it, helps it. Right. And so it was actually the original code name of the very first Bronco was GOAT. And it was talking about how Bronco was set up to be great on all different types of off-roading, but also on-road, which you got to experience today. And so we've nicknamed these uh, train uh, management controls GOAT modes. And so 
again for whatever type of train that you want you can just flip the dial and easy peasy and there you go yeah and there are a bunch of uh, fake goats around <laughs> right. that have freaked out some people, <laughs> right. some yeah, people don't like it. yeah somebody put one uh, outside my room last night so it did kind of freak me out a little bit yeah exactly <laughs> but anyway i mean again there's so much to talk about it let's talk a little bit of powertrain two engines right two transmissions right including the manual we have seven but talk about the seven manual transmission right so not only you know the normal you know six uh speeds but it also has a seventh uh speed which is a crawler uh gear and you can get nearly 95 to 1 kind of crawl ratio absolutely fantastic uh kind of when you're off-roading that's available on the two three and then uh, we've also got a 200 a 2.7 liter engine that comes standard with our 10 speed auto which is also available on the 2.3 liters so you know, a base engine with 300 horsepower, that's, that's know. you know, you wouldn't have thought about yeah. that back in the day, right, on, the, exactly on the old Broncos. The, the old Do you remember the specs of that engine? I I don't exactly, but, no, but I... It must they, be, what, like 100 and something, I right? would bet they're 100 and change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, big, big difference in a, <laughs> in a few decades. But any, anyway, I mean, again, we can talk uh, forever. Congratulations, honestly, on, on, the, on bringing the car back. And also to bring in a, a legendary name with its with its merits, with like the original DNA. Some other competitors, like, well, it's not a competitor, but it really does not like the Chevy Blazer. They ruined the name <laughs> because they brought back basically an SUV that back in the day was competing with the original Bronco. Right. Yeah, we, you know, when we were bringing it back, we had read all the, you know, people talking and saying, you know, don't screw it up. Make sure it's a real Bronco. Yeah. And we're really pleased, I think, with the... Re reaction and response to it that you know i think we've done it right based on the reaction that we've got well you must be very happy uh, that all those uh, secret uh, <laughs> evenings or weekends or like holidays working on this secret project are now here reality and we are enjoying them so thank you for that well thank you so much it's been great talking to you thanks carl what do you think about the marketing effort as you were mentioning at the end of the uh, the first segment it's going to be big i mean they're going to be a war between jeep and ford for a long time with those uh, the bronco and the wrangler right well it's funny to think that ford could stop <laughs> marketing the bronco right now and they'd still have 125,000 orders right and they're not going to be yeah. able to meet those and all so it's funny to think there's going to be any marketing for the bronco because you could argue there shouldn't don't well, don't waste a dime the car's selling itself. Yeah, exactly. It's already sold. So, um, but yeah, uh, but they're being, they're being smart, you know, and the whole, this whole like kind of off rodeo thing that they're calling it, where they're going to have these dedicated locations, like the one we all drove in uh, just outside of Austin. That it's, was very impressive. Don't you think, Lauren? I mean, like uh, I did, they wouldn't tell me an amount, but they spent a lot of money on that. Oh my gosh. They, they basically, they bought a piece of land, put up buildings and they didn't just do it. They did it right. They've got this as a whole training center. There are four of them around the country, one in Moab, one in Las Vegas, one in Austin. There'll be one in the Northeast that hasn't been announced yet. Uh, I don't know where, but the thing is, when you buy that vehicle, you automatically get a free class. Yeah. And that's, that, that's, that's how you really get people cool. to utilize the vehicles, buy the accessories. And one thing that I think that's really smart that they're doing is that you can buy all the accessories you want and put it as part of your lease or part of your purchase, which you, Jeep does not do that. A lot of brands don't. So this allows people to say, you know what, I really want, you know, that Yakima container on the roof, but I can't afford it. Well, you buy what you want. You make it however you want. And a lot of it's also coming in and installed at the dealer level too. So that's also a really smart way to get consumers to up, upfit their vehicles or aftermarket parts 
uh, with yeah. some of them really premium suppliers. And high counter price too. So in the yeah. next segment, we're gonna talk to someone who had a lot to do with that strategy. So This is special with uh, Bronco. And in this segment, we're going to talk to Ian Caddis, who worked for Jeep for years, I think. Didn't you go with him to New Zealand, uh, Carl, for the, the Wrangler? Uh, I don't know if he was on that trip. He might have already left. But... Yeah, but he was in the international part of Jeep uh, for the communications department. Yes. And now, well... Five years ago, he came to Ford to work for. I remember. That's so funny. I've known Gian for a long time. We go way back. He's a, he's a yeah. real car guy, too, which is really important to have those kind of people on your team. So when he signed up for Ford, he told me one of the first projects they put you on, because it's always way in advance, was the Bronco project. So talk about yeah. coming from Jeep and like, <laughs> perfect, we got a spot for you right here in the Bronco team. Yeah, imagine the kind of information that he brought to the project. I mean, it's amazing. Oh, wow. That's a big hire, too, because when you think about that, no matter where you are in the, in the mix, you're bringing some sort of information with you. Yeah. So here's my uh, conversation with Ian. Well, here we're still with the Bronco experience in outside Austin, Texas, and we have another very interesting story. And again, like there are so many of them that we can uh, dedicate many episodes to this. But this is Ian Caris, who, by the way, used to work for Jeep, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me on. And, uh, you know, I, I started actually right out of school working on uh, Jeep programs outside of North America. And, uh, you know, I couldn't think of a more exciting job. I had many opportunities with different OEMs, but to, to do uh, international launches, the you know, I got to launch the Compass, Patriot, Wrangler, Cherokee was still part of outside of North America on the Jeep lineup, all those vehicles. And, uh, you know, not only see it here in the U.S., but also see it uh, how internationally people perceive Jeep. And that probably was one of the many reasons, besides all your other talents, why Ford hired you, right? Because <laughs> by the time you joined uh, Ford, it was when they just had started officially working on the new Bronco, right? So it actually hadn't been announced yet. Uh, I, I joined in uh, late 2016. And... Uh, well, they were working about it all, they, already. But during, uh, let's just say, the interview process, it was a heads up that, hey, we're working <laughs> on something that you may like. Uh, we've got a couple announcements for the 2017 North American International Auto Show in Detroit. Uh, there, you guys uh, probably remember, we announced that Bronco's coming yeah. back and Ranger was coming back. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about was, you know, that, that excited me. And one reason, definitely a strong reason I wanted to come to Ford. And one of the things I was thinking about since I had joined Ford, because I didn't get to work on it right away, was could they really take on Jeep? Yeah. Is it possible? Because, you know, everywhere and for so long and so many decades, Jeeps run unopposed. It's own the space. People love it. People, you know, swear by it. It's it's a religion in itself. But what I also come to realize is that, you know, Ford builds some superior product. And if there's an authenticity and heritage that they could leverage, which they have with the new Bronco, like, it could be done. Okay, so let's go back a little bit to your Jeep days. Back then when you were there, what was the competition? There wasn't really any because, like, the Toyota FJ Cruiser came out for a 
I don't know how many years, I don't remember now, but it wasn't really uh, a, 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 a something to worry about for Jeep, I, I bet. And then the Land Rover has always been there. They're very capable, but there's like a different level. They're more luxurious than... I mean, they're capable, but I don't know if you can relate them to a, a true competitor to Jeeps. So what was the thinking at, back then when you were at Jeep? I think one of the, the cool things at Jeep at the time was it was growing. So when I started in uh, 2006 doing Jeep, it was the first time that they did a front-wheel drive Jeep, right? This is very controversial at the time to do a uh, the Patriot and the Compass in, the, in that order, right? Yeah. And then... Uh, also, and then the four-door Wrangler. And if uh, if people remember right, you know, here Jeep's trying to become more mainstream. Grow, because it was the strongest of, at that time, Daimler, Chrysler, and then Chrysler's brands, Jeep was the strongest. Um, and so while Jeep's really working on mainstream product and getting into the growing SUV segment, you know, as far as Wrangler was concerned, you know, it always ran unopposed, right? Yeah. H2 was never a thing. H3 was never a thing. Oh, the, yeah. The <laughs> Land Rovers those. Land Rovers and FJ were never, you know, in consideration because, you know, regardless of what Jeep you had, you know, everyone thinks about the Wrangler. And, uh, you know, it's such a strong icon in itself. So that, uh, you know, I don't think anyone was ever concerned about it back then. Yeah. So now, now we move forward to this launch of this new vehicle. And I, I, I mean, I'm curious, I guess, of how many minutes you were there. And I said, okay, let's spill the beans on the Jeep secrets for the new Bronco. You know what, what have they done right? How have they done wrong? And There's, why can we improve sure. on that? Sure. You know, one of the one of the exciting things is uh, coming back into a space that you haven't been. You know, Bronco's been out of market for 25 years. SUVs have evolved a lot since the 96 yeah. Bronco. That was a two-door you know, SUVs are so mainstream now and that, you know, you get to start with the fresh playbook. You see what the competition has done and done unopposed by anybody. They also didn't see some of the blind spots yeah. without having anyone competing them. They didn't have to try so hard. And we know we the team spent great time undercover going out to Jeep events, learning all the pain points of the Wrangler customer and thinking about what are, what's the best better use cases that we could do. Well, how can we help them have a better adventure? If they're a novice or a professional, there's a lot of bandwidth and lots of opportunity. You know, we talk about, you know, mounting the mirrors on the body, yeah. body rather than doors. Don't worry about storing, taking the doors Storing yeah. the doors on board rather than a Wrangler where you have to mount it on the, you know, tie it to a tree. You know, there's a lot of things we've solved for. And, you know, that's that's part of having a fresh start. Yeah. And, I, and in my previous interview with Mark, for the marketing team, I, I, I told him, and I think it's really true that, in a way, it's an advantage for Ford to have been away for 25 years, because you started like completely fresh. You could do whatever you wanted with the new Bronco, except for like messing it up. Like so, we're sitting now here in the first generation 1971 Ford Bronco. And next to us is our new uh, two-door. And if you, I mean, go to the website and look for the pictures and videos, they look alike. They look alike. But you were able to, because of that 25-year time span, to come up with a new technology and implement everything that is, like, cool and useful and, like, uh, design and uh, form and function and everything. So, like, 
I think that it was an advantage to be away for a long time and come back this strong, no? It's definitely an advantage to come back. I think one of the things that we wanted to make sure bringing Bronco brand, not just the nameplate, but developing Bronco brand is don't be limited by your heritage. Leverage your heritage where it makes sense. But obviously the world's evolved a lot, and we know that the SUV market's evolved a lot. Everyone wants a rugged, authentic 4x4, so only a few of us can play in this game. We wanted to go back to our roots, really leverage the first generation Bronco between 1966 and 1977, and bring that spirit back. Because yeah. for the enthusiasts and, and for those that have been following the classic car market, the old Broncos have, you know, during <laughs> the, the time where, yeah, up to this point have just been climbing. Yeah. The love for them, the passion around them, they're so authentic. They were America's original SUV uh, back in the 66. The first time they used the term, right? First time they right? used the term. And so we have every right to challenge the space. We are, you know, we look forward uh, to increasing our Ford family and obviously building this Bronco brand with the Bronco two-door, first ever four-door. And obviously we've got great uh, momentum with Bronco Sport. More than 70% of our uh, customers are new to Ford. And obviously we know some of them are coming from Jeep. Absolutely they're coming from Jeep. <laughs> you like that. So we, we lo I love that. You know, it, it tells us that we're, we're doing it right. Yeah. Because... Again, we want to play, you know, we're an authentic SUV brand, only 4x4, right? We don't have any 4x2 or front-wheel yeah, yeah, drive yeah. variants like our competitors, only 4x4. And that means, you know, based on the customers we're pulling in, they recognize that we're authentic and true. So um, one of the things that I always say about these events and like launching a new vehicle, the cars are amazing, the technology is incredible, the design is beautiful. But there's always people behind all that. And like you are an example of that. So I really appreciate sharing your story with us because this is this is what it's behind the design or the, the launch of a new vehicle. There's always people like you. You know, having spent two thirds of my career on the other side, you know, you kind of know their playbook. And okay, just the same, you also can anticipate maybe some of their next moves. And uh, I think uh, with Bronco, we've definitely jumped ahead. We've definitely made them rethink about many things for the Wrangler. I, I hear it from my former Jeep colleagues uh, quite a bit. <laughs> I know, I but, bet. <laughs> uh, you know, I, it's great. It, at the end of the day, the customer wins, right? Yeah. We're getting new. And competition is Competition's good. Competition's great, exactly. right? We love it in the muscle car segment. Uh, we, we love it here because it's going to make us better. It's going to, you know, make the adventures for our customers better. And at the end of the day, I mean, these type of vehicles bring people together. The camaraderie around these vehicles, being out in nature. I mean, there's no better time than now to have vehicles like these. Well, so, thank you very much for your time, for having us here and for the whole experience. And uh, we already talked about the venue, which is a whole different story. So, like, so many stories to share about the new Bronco. So, thank you very much. Thank for you having for having me. me. Appreciate it. Thank you. So, Carl, we're talking about like modern day industrial spying. I don't know why if it qualifies for that, but it's pretty close. Yeah, you know, he was there this morning, you know, on the trip talking about the fact that he got this long history with Jeep. And he's like, you know, Jeep's still close to my heart, but I'm so excited that we're going to be doing this and finally giving them some competition. And it's great, you know, and it definitely felt like a little like, oh, wow, you know, somebody, uh, somebody's found like a new, their new best friend. And uh, unfortunately, their previous best friend is, uh, you know, they've got some, uh, they've got some, like you said, insider information that probably was helpful for Ford. But um, 
hey, that's the nature of competition and the nature of our industry is people uh, yeah, shifting between locations. I, I mean, some of us on this call might have even shifted between various uh, publications that compete with each other. So, you know. Exactly. All right. <laughs> so, speaking of competition, I'd like to close up the, this special uh, show. Uh, can we vote for our SUV of the year already? Do you give me your vote? I think I think we've got at least a final three. We don't know what everybody oh, else has got I mean, coming for out. The the SUV of the year. I, well, the hype, if it's more. hype, it's Bronco. But we knew this was going to be big. We knew that. I, I'm surprised they didn't pull it out before they pulled out Bronco Sport. But maybe they were afraid that it would take all the energy out of the room. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I think they were smart to do Bronco Sport first. I think everyone would yeah. have been like Bronco Sport. Yeah. It's cop wasting my time. And of course, that car is is impressive too. By the way, like. Like right. uh, driving that car on and off road. And that's actually, it's fun. I'm glad you brought that up, uh, Lauren, because today when I was driving, one of the first things I thought is, you know, the Bronco Sport is extremely good on road. Like basically it's as good as like a CRV or a, or a RAV4 yeah. on road. And it's way better than those things off road. Uh, it's a more, far more impressive off road vehicle than I expected it to be. So while everyone who's like, yeah, but the cool Bronco is the Bronco Bronco, not that Bronco Sport thing. Again, <laughs> based on my just so far driving it today and all, it's like, mm, I think the car that I'm going to, if I'm going to buy one of those two and I know what percentage time I'll be on-road or off-road and which areas I think they're strong in, Bronco Sport might actually be yeah. the way to go. So, See, I like well, the Bronco First Edition. I just think when you can buy it all loaded, because I like the performance and the comfort and the technology, and you get that at the top of the line. That's a one-year Deal. Also, in, on the Bronco Sport, if you buy the top two trim levels, which is the first edition and I think the Badlands, you get you can have access to the school included, but it's only at the Austin location. Mm, so they're yeah. not going to have you driving the big, the I call it the big the big Bronco, but they're not going to have you drive the full size Bronco. They're going to have you drive the Sport. So you learn about your vehicle. You can order it, go take the school, and when your vehicle comes, you know how to use it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was a very interesting week, and uh, too bad we we couldn't see each other, but we're getting there, I guess, sometime soon. Soon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Carl. Enjoy the rest of your day with the Bronco, and Lauren, we'll see you soon, too. I'm off to the races. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, guys. Right. Take care. Thank you for listening. For more, check us out online at TotalCarscore.com. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.